welcome to episode 43 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France and to my West Broadcasting Live from. Now, normally I would pluck a location from the news headlines at this point to position the dock in the world. But let's be honest, there's nothing funny about anything happening in the world at the moment. So I'm just going to introduce him straight. It's Dr. Lee Quessence. How are you doing, Doc? I'm very well. Um... I have, as you know, been, even by my standards, exceptionally loquescent this week. You have. Uh, I know. You've, you, you, you've, been, you've been struck down by the phage of some kind, haven't you? Yes, I have. <laughs> um, and, um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's, in many ways, of course, it's not remotely fortunate that there's nothing even remotely amusing happening mm. in the world right now. Well, um, I, I just honestly, didn't want to, I didn't want to put you in the position, Doc, of kind of having to make light about, events in Kabul and Afghanistan and all that stuff, mate. So I just thought I'd go straight this time. Um, well, when it's possible to say um, that the fact of there being an earthquake in Haiti is the thing on the news that least makes you go, oh, God. I know, I know. Yeah, the world, the world we're living in at the moment, yeah, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. Are you recovered from your, from your blight? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm back to my my, my normal standard of uh, loathsomeness and um, <laughs> you know, sort of squirming around in my own bodily fluids. Um, there are all kinds of jokes I could make about that, but um, making jokes of any kind doesn't seem particularly to be in good taste at the moment, does it? No, I know, I know, but you can make a joke about my new hair if you want. I've gone ginga. Have you noticed? Well, um, it's very very short. Yeah. And um, because of because of the high quality studio lighting you're employing at the moment, it's uh, it's not immediately obvious that you've sure. uh, uh, that you're not shaved. Oh no, no, no it, it, I think I think the the, the, the ginganess is blending in with with the um, you know the the, the three thousand pound lighting rig that you know that that I bought just for the just for this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever considered um, having more than one colour in your? Or have, have you, in fact, ever done this? I've never, I've never gone multicolour, but of, of course, I've gone like varied colours. You know, obviously, I've gone, you know, I've gone blue and green and pink and stuff in the past. You know, and anybody with 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 any true metal or punk integrity should certainly try it at least once. I would say. Um, but yeah, I d really, I wanted to go blonde. I really wanted to kind of like Eminem or Gascoigne myself up. <laughs> um, but, but, but instead, it's it, it, it's turned out ginger. But I don't mind. I don't mind. I've, I'm half Scottish. It, it's appropriate. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, chow time, motherfuckers. We ready? Only one this time, Doc. Um, <clears throat> last episode, I think it was. I said that Queen changed the writing credits rule so that the songs were credited to the band in their entirety from the game album onwards post Live Aid. It's not true. The game was released in 1980, so it was therefore six years too early. It was actually from The Miracle onwards, which was released in 1989, and was their last but two album. And that's only if you include Made From Heaven, Made In Heaven, sorry, um, which was released four years after Freddie's death. So I don't really even count that one, even though it was based on his recordings. I don't really count that one as a proper Queen album. Don't know about you, Doc. Um, no, no. Um, and um, as as you know, 
I have reason to not like Freddie Mercury's solo output. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Let's let's let, let's not go there. We'll, we'll we'll be here for half an hour, I reckon. Um, um, but, no, I mean, just uh, simply to say that the fray. And I have no idea what these words in English actually are, but the the phrase, the phonemes of which go e o e e. If we were recording this 20 years 20 years ago, I'd make some crass joke about um, the noises people make when having anal sex, but we're not, so I won't not. <laughs> I won't say that, I promise. Um, <laughs> um, a quick shout out to our favourite listener, by the way, Dave Spence, who very kindly wished me a happy birthday via Facebook. Um, of course, he should have wished me a profane and debauched birthday, but no one's perfect. Um, he also wrote us a rather lovely message via Facebook. Facebook, by the way, because he's a massive pervert, but that's not his fault. Um, so I thought I'd read it in full, as I was genuinely thrilled by it, Doc, so please forgive the self-indulgence are you ready yes here we go hi guys uh glad well it says hi mo actually but I'm, I'm being inclusive hi guys glad you had a good birthday you're talking to me there listeners i'm up to date with your slayer podcasts so eagerly anticipating you dropping them on a sunday now like i said earlier i love the show and the format of four parts i find them entertaining informative and well researched and the chemistry between you and the doc can't be bettered. How about that, Doc? How lovely is that? Um, Goodness gracious. Let me tell you a bit about myself, he continues. I'm a 50-year-old bloke now living in Teesside. Lived here most of my life. First gig was Motorhead at Middlesbrough Town Hall on Halloween uh, 1984. The support, act was, the support act was Persian Risk. I've never heard of them. How about you, Doc? No. Uh, no. Much research must be done now. Yeah, there you go. I'll check them out. Uh, great gig and I was hooked. I was one of those kids who only listened to metal from the age of 12 to 18. No other genres, lots of laughs. But as I became an adult, my horizons opened up. I listen to all sorts these days, but metal is still my passion. I first came across Slayer after Rain in Blood was released and before South of Heaven came out. I mean, it's, it's not a dissimilar story to mine. The only difference is I got into Slayer between South of Heaven and Seasons in the Abyss. So we just kind of got that one one album disparity there. Um, yeah. First listened to Rain in Blood and my mind was blown. Been a fan since and would probably have to say, if I had to name a favourite bland, Slayer would be it. I mean, again, we're quite similar there, Dave, because, I mean, I have... Um, I can't ever pick a, a like a number one band. I have a top three and they and they do cycle. And my, but, but it's always the same top three and that is Slayer, in Flames, Maiden. They're my top three bands. Where was I? Uh, thanks for all your good work. And I'm going to keep hold of the podcast for reference as I play a bit of guitar and find what you say useful when trying to learn a piece. Isn't that nice? Well, that's delightful. Uh, brilliant. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm quite touched. Yeah, yeah. On a footnote, 
when you were talking about sexy metal, why didn't Wendy O. Williams get a mention? She must have been most teenage metalheads crush. I didn't know Wendy O. Williams. Did you, Doc? I've, I've, I've never heard of her. Um, we are never afraid to confess our ignorance. No. Um, and I will do so now. Um, bit of very quick research. Well, I've done it for you, Doc, if you want. I've done it for you. She fronted a punk band called Plasmatics. Um, seems that they were knocking around like the late 70s, early 80s. I've watched some stuff on YouTube. I watched a couple of tracks. One was called Butcher Baby. Butcher Baby, they're gonna put you away! It is on and the other track was called Headbanger. This is for all you headbangers out there. You know who you are. It's They were both pretty damn good, you know, really kind of rock solid, you know, punky, loads of attitude. And she seems a really, really extraordinary kind of front woman. She On the one video, I can't remember which one it was, <clears throat> she, she was topless and, and her breasts were kind of semi-obscured only by what looked like to be either shaving cream or you know, like squirty cream that you might put on a cake, something like that. So yeah, she was an audacious young woman. Unfortunately, I think she's—I think she took her own life um, via shotgun, which is so a bit of a, a bit of a tragic end to her life. Um, and the, and the last point he makes also can't remember which episode, but the doc was talking about the age of something. Did he mean age of quarrel by the Cro-Mags? Any recollection of that doc? And and could he be right? Right, it's an album I'm certainly familiar with. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, what were uh, the um, it was uh, Age of Distrust mm -hmm. uh, was 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 the reference we were referring to uh, right. from the song South of Heaven. Sure. Um, and we're trying to think when when people talk about Age of XXX, uh -huh. um, what are they normally referring to? Um, there is a distinct possibility it's Age of Quarrel. Um, hmm. Crow Mags. Um, we seem to think at the time it was the reference to the age of Aquarius. Mm -hmm. um, there's one that completely slipped my mind and uh, got to uh, like obviously give a big shout uh, to my man in Teesside for prompting me to think of this right now. Um, given the context of the song, 
um, I think it's equally, not more, equally likely that they're referring to the Age of Enlightenment. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. So there you go. There you go, Dave. You know, maybe you've prompted uh, the doc there to, to recollect something. Um, um, and on the other hand, uh, one should most definitely listen. Um, so, since since we're apparently being uh, drawn into the the more metallic side of punk, uh, point yeah. number one, um, Mo uh, asked me about the sexiest metal bands ever. Um, uh-huh. If I'd known I was being allowed to include punk bands, uh-huh. um, the podcast would literally have been four hours long. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and surely the 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 the, the slits would would have got a mention in there for me without question. Um, yeah. Um, I get very very odd crushes on members of punk rock bands, mm. um, and we should we should probably do a whole entire question on that. Sure, and then and maybe, um, maybe we'll maybe we'll do that when we get around to you know discussing uh, undisputed attitude because it it seems thematically appropriate. Does seem thematically appropriate. Does it not? Um, Thanks, Dave, for, for writing in. It's it, yeah, really, 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 really made made my day, and I think I think we just made the doc's day as well. Um, you did, and I think I shall probably have to go and listen to some Cro-Mags immediately after this show. Yeah, and don't forget the plasmatics with Wendy O. Williams while you're, while you're at it. Definitely. Um, topic of the week, Doc, uh, give me a number between one and six, please, my good man. I don't think I've ever selected one before, so can I have question number one, please? Okay. Um, fashions and styles in metal, gothic, corpse paint, skater shorts, leather jackets, etc. Which is your favourite, least favourite, and why? And which has stood the test of time the best, in your opinion? Well, the most obvious statement, um, anything involving skater shorts or chain wallets or oversized sweatshirts is not metal. So <laughs> stop. Well, um, the, the, I think Anthrax would disagree, Doc, but there we go. Quick dig out for myself there. Uh, they did it first. Go on, no, we'll let you off. Yeah, we'll let you off. You're right. Uh, they were the pioneers. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I am not big into the no album style, the um, sort of uh, biker jacket with the denim waistcoat um, over the top of it. I can can actually, um, I mean, um, when Biff Byford um, from Saxon um, (laughs) chose to um, pair the biker jacket with not a uh, not a den- not 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 a stonewashed denim waistcoat but with a sheepskin waistcoat now that <laughs> had something to it <laughs> <laughs> at least he was trying wasn't he yes yeah um, uh i think i think i believe on at least one photograph i've seen he's also wearing a matching sheepskin hat with viking <laughs> horns coming out of it fabulous yeah brilliant um have you ever sported any of these looks would you say i think one of those certainly you've gone for as a younger man um yeah definitely Mm -hmm. um i went in for the whole um metallic oblique stroke gothic thing as you know i could never get i i I could i I could never get the hair right Mm. Uh, i've never been able to do long hair in my life Mm. um but um i did mercilessly abuse vast quantities of extremely cheap hair product um, to make it look like I stuck my nads in an electric socket. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
and I I I, I did pair um, I did combo this uh, this charming coiffure with um, copious quantities of cosmetics mm. and t-shirts with safety pins in them. Um, and um, oddly enough, in those days, I was occasionally complimented on my ass, um, and um, I thought I could probably carry off ca- uh, um, carry off the leather trousers. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to the opinions I received, um, I was able to do so. so you're most I, welcome, um, Rich. You're, you're most welcome, Doc. I'm always happy to compliment you, sir, on your beautiful buttocks. <laughs> um, so... Um, this was obviously in one of my human phases before mm. I sort of resorted to to, to, to tentacle horror full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an odd um, fascination um, with the primitive black metal look. The corpse paint. Um, well, the corpse paint, cloak, huge inverted cross, mm-hmm. um, that whole thing. Uh, if anyone cares to track down an image of the cover of the Nordic Metal Attribute to Euronymous album, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's got a fantastic picture of, of, of Euronymous, as one would expect, coming out of a cave, <laughs> presumably <laughs> in Norway somewhere, um, wearing a long black cloak with the hood up um, and an absolutely fucking enormous inverted cross <laughs> around his neck. Um, I, uh, um, I don't think it's a piece of jewellery. I think it, it's it's one that was actually intended to be used in a real crucifixion. Yeah. It, it, isn't, um, it stra- isn't it strange, Doc, that, you know, like when gangster rappers hang like massive <laughs> medallion-shaped like dollar bills around the neck, everybody <laughs> fucking applauds them. You put an inverted <laughs> cross around your neck and people think you're some kind of fucking Satanist. <laughs> um, do you suppose if the inverted cross was made of gold and studded with diamonds... <laughs> Um, there we go. Yeah. Uh, or um, maybe like you, you can't see while I'm miming this, but uh, forming um, an acrostic um, with the with with the V in the middle. If it had the words "true cult", true cult. across the vertical, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pick, picked picked out in diamonds across the it, horizontal man. and vertical bars of the cross. You got it, man. You got it. So, um, which which one of those styles you, you've kind of you know alluded to your penchant for uh, for the corpse paint look? Which has stood the test of time? Would you say the one that never goes away um, is like it, sort of some permutation on the on 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 the Noobum one, isn't it? Well, I think the goth one actually. For for me, the goth one is the one that seems to never quite disappear. You know, it, it's not straight goth. It's not like Sisters of Mercy goth, full sure. goth. But you know, just that kind of you know, you know, hint of goth by Yves Saint, Yves Saint Laurent. You know, something like that. <laughs> um, you know, they, 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 I see kids, you know, eighteen, twenty, walking down the street today. You know, and they've got the whiff of goth about them. You know, the emo isn't too far removed from the goth, surely. But I mean, it's like it's like those people who wear Che Guevara t-shirts, mate. Um, yeah. are they really doctrinaire Marxist-Leninists? Sure. I don't think so. I know what you all. mean. Um, I know what you um, mean. They're, po- they're posers, aren't they? Um, and honestly, I think a lot of the emo kids would be very proud to be called. Cool. Um, uh, I think um, amongst uh, the kids today, or maybe not, te- maybe not today, maybe twelve years ago, um, I think the expression was seen. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was popular to include an original, if possible, but if not, mail order copy of an old Iron Maiden or uh, Megadeth or, for some odd reason, Motley Crue T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 I've dabbled with a with a goth look, and yeah, I think I think we did it at different points in our life because you know when you were younger you were doing that, but but even even to this day, you know, I still you know I, I, I you know I colour my hair, I paint my fingernails, you know, and I do I do take all of that from that kind of goth vibe. I think. Yeah, um, it's a look that breaks down nicely. Um, mm. One could, for instance take any of the four or five disparate elements and, and, and um, uh, since, 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 since fusion um, is, is, is sort of fashionable nowadays, um, it, it, it deconstructs nicely. Yeah, um, right. there's, there's, there's quite a lot of it that one could, for instance, work into one's walk, uh, uh, working wardrobe. Sure, um, yeah. But um, as far as the ones that, um, as far as the ones that have stood the test, I still reckon you could go to a metal show, like not not crossover, not um, any kind of modern iteration of metal. You could go to something that is undisputably a metal show now. Sure. And I still think you could find quite a few people wearing the um, smelly jeans, um, like ankle-length boots with the three straps at the side. Mm-hmm. Um, the the biker jacket will never go away. No, no, um, of course, ubiquitous. And, yeah, um, and the denim the the the, the denim waistcoat with, um, I was going to say, covered in patches of bands you clearly never saw. Um, although go, going going by the age of some of those old boys, um, mm. I, I I I don't know if I'd actually like to swear to that. Mm. Um, a um, a most definitely metal look, which I also sported for a while, and which came to a tragic end, um, was um, when I was a big fan of um, what we'll say mid-paced doom mm. um, in the mid nineties, um, and sort of in 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 the couple of years after I saw Cathedral for the first time, and they changed my life. Um, and I had the corduroy flares. Um, pointed suede boots, um, floral shirt, um, and I had a fantastic, genuine, original, early 70s brown leather jacket, which I painstakingly painted the Venom logo on the back of. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I, did, I, I remember um, having but, a, a, a black leather jacket with the, 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 the Coma of Souls, um, the creator Coma of Souls cover. Lovingly painted on the back of those are the days when they look, yeah, they certainly were. Uh, they really that was were. great, but um, <clears throat> it came to a tragic end because uh, can you believe someone stole my fucking jacket? Oh no, what a bastard! I, I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't possibly have been the only one metal because, as everyone knows, one of one of the three oaths you sign and you, you, you sign in a mixture of your own blood and semen, um, when you become metal, um, is. Never betray the cause, so mm-hmm. never give up on metal. Sure, metal till death, um, basically. MTD. Yes, <laughs> yes, metal till death. Um, the one I could never pull off: never cut your hair, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of did because I was never actually able to grow it. 
Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, you've got, you've got, you've kind of, you're, you're okay on the technicality there, Doc. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just always ended up looking like an accountant on Dress Down Friday. Um, <laughs> uh, and the other one, like, never touch another man's leather jacket. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, do, I mean, the, the, the way I, the way I always interpreted that, that third rule of metaldom was never steal off a fellow metalhead only ever steal off townies that, 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 that was my interpretation maybe that was just mm, mm. maybe that was just me doc. look i think we've mm. got quite a quite a, a song to get into tonight doc so should we move on what do you reckon definitely don't forget guys you can contact us on twitter at vercast or an email at slytanicvercast at gmail.com and for the perverts out there you can also contact us on facebook at slytanicvercast I've been meaning to say this for a while, and before we start the episode, I, I, I feel the need to say it now. In in um, in honor of evil from Marduk, I just love that guy's name. Since we're talking about corpse paint and things earlier on, I, I, I love the fact that there's a man who is simultaneously so committed <laughs> and so unimaginative that the metal <laughs> name he chooses himself is Evil. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. evil from Marduk. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was him. He was once talking about how he was dissatisfied with the production on their new album because you could hear the guitar, you could hear the bass, you could hear the drums, and you could hear the vocals. Oh, you could hear everything. In future, all of our releases are just going to get worse and worse until <laughs> soon. They'll be just for perworts. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. God bless Marduk. Awesome. Welcome to part two of the show. Here, we're going to play the track and pause it from time to time. You know the score by now. Of course, the track we're talking about tonight is none other than track six from South of Heaven, which is, of course, Ghosts of War. However, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time because we're going to start with the end of track one from Haunting the Chapel, which is, of course chemical warfare all will become clear here we go That is the end of Chemical Warfare, track one on Haunting the Chapel. Now, for the slow kids at the back, pay close attention, because we're now going to start today's track, Ghosts of War. And guess what? Those riffs may be very, very familiar. Here we go. There we go, Doc. Sound familiar, love? Um, 
Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. Um, there's a whole lot of familiarity coming back to me. Mm -hmm. um, for reasons which will become clear mm. um, in part four of the program when, when, when we get onto the lyrics, um, if I didn't, I should have done. Um, I believe I said when we covered Haunting the Chapel, um, I thought this track, Ghosts of War, was the spiritual heir to the track Chemical Warfare in the sure. first place. Sure, So it's absolutely. Not remote, it's not remotely surprising to me that they should reprise it. Yeah. Chemical Warfare, of course, is the spiritual heir to, I'm pretty sure uh, it's this, um, the song Black Metal by Venom. Oh, yes. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a thing for Chow next week. In any case, mm. it's the one that goes, lay down your soul to the gods rock and roll, metal take shape in a deadly black hole. I mean, um, I, I know Venom aficionado. I, you know, I know my Venom when I hear it, but I, I don't know it sufficiently to be able to identify individual tracks just from a snippet of, of lyrics. But yes, yeah, certainly, there's no doubt. You know, that this is effectively Chemical Warfare Part Two, um, and it's not just a reprise, is it? Um, it well, I suppose it's the definition of a reprise. They are, you know, that they're, they're literally lifting those last three riffs from the end of Chemical Warfare and starting this song with it. But it leads me to a question, Doc. On the track Chemical Warfare, they only play those riffs right at the end for that very brief period. Now, the riffs are so good and so strong, why, why would they chuck them away in that way at that time? Unless they always knew they were going to write a part two and use them again. And if that's the case, what incredible foresight. And that leads to a second question. Why didn't they do it on Raining Blood? Why did they wait a whole album before they did it? No, no, in fact, two uh, albums. It's two albums, isn't it? Because Haunting the Chapel is pre-Hello isn't it? Unless I've got my dates wrong. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've, they've waited two whole albums before they drop the sequel, effectively. I've got a, um, I've got a serious theory of the, uh, about this, and I've got a silly theory about this. The silly theory comes first. Um, they knocked off Venom so unashamedly on Chemical Warfare. Yeah. Um, and they probably thought to themselves, we'll get rumbled. We're going to mm -hmm. get rumbled. We're going to get called out like nobody's business. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't. And they went and had a chat to themselves and said, well, you know, that bit where we ripped off Venom. <laughs> uh, let's do that again. Yeah. yeah. Um, as, as, as sort of two of our heroes of necessity, Beavis and Butthead, um, mm. would have said, that was cool, man. That was mm. cool. You referenced Beavis and Buddy. It's funny, I, I read something about them early when, when doing a bit of research about Wendy O. Williams. Uh, apparently, the, one, one of the lines on Beavis and Butthead, they, they said, um, they said she, that it, it, it's obvious she's a really good singer because she wears next to no clothes, which I thought, <laughs> was, <laughs> which I thought was a great one. Very good. Very funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. But the, the, um, again, to me, this the, the, this is indicative of kind of you know so, something that Slayer aren't really credited for, which is this kind of almost kind of the sense of vision that they have. You know, it's almost like they they, they plan things in advance and and then deliver on them. It it, it it's remarkable actually, Doc. I can't think of an equivalent in in, in any other metal band. Um, I bet you you could find some examples in Iron Maiden. Now, I'm convinced long ago you and I had a discussion and we came to the conclusion that The Ghost of the Navigator was yeah. a sequel to a much earlier Iron Maiden track. on my single favourite Maiden track of all time, Ghost of the Navigator. I think that is, I think it's their masterpiece, personally. That the, Those lyrics where he talks about, it, 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 it's the imagery that, that he evokes, you know, skeletons accusing emerge from the sea, the sirens on the rocks, they beckon me. It's so fucking powerful. Um, but the, 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 what track could it possibly... Be, be kind of an heir to no, no nothing comes I mean, to the, mind the obvious one is the rhyme of the ancient mara <laughs> quite a bit of it that um, comes across as like, well, you know, that guy, that, that, that guy Coleridge, uh, you know, with, with, with a bit more practice, he could have been a pretty good poet, you know, mm, mm, uh, <laughs> um, that Coleridge, it, it was, it was, it was all right. Uh, he had some good ideas, but yeah. the ending was crap. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll write a, we'll, 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 we'll write a better ending for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, the audacity of Bruce. <laughs> um, I think we need to go and do a bit of private research and talk about this in um, when uh, when we're off air because I'm, I'm I'm convinced when we listen to that track on, on the day you got the album when we listened to that track we came to the conclusion that that was a sequel to something. Sure, I don't think it's Rhyme of the Ancient Man. No, we, we, no, we, we it's too obvious. To it's too obvious. Um, as far as thematic continuity, I know you've never quite agreed with me about this. As far as I'm concerned, the roots of heavy metal are so far in progressive rock. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not surprising to me at all that metal bands would write concept songs, concept albums, um, and have favourite concepts that they would continually return to. Sure, yeah, and call back to, you know, 
three albums later, four years hence. It, 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 it's ambitious yeah. stuff. It's ambitious stuff, Doc. Should, should, should we press on and, and, and see what... Because now the track proper is going to start. Should, should we see what happens? Right. In a second, but yeah. um, there's another odd reference right at the start of this track. Um, and maybe other people won't spot this because, as everyone knows, I am insane. Um, and it doesn't seem to have any thematic reference at all um, until you consider the subject matter. Mm. Um, and the, the introduction to this track is a badly mangled, badly distorted, out-of-time version of the introduction to These Boots Were Made For Walking by Nancy Sinatra. So you're saying that 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 din, 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 din riff is these boots these boots are made for walking. You're saying you could sing it over the top. Um, you can't. Uh, no, um, it's the introduction. The din 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 din. You've lost me, Doc. I'm going to play it again. You tell me when to stop. We won the track, mate. Yeah, we won the track. Give, give me give me some thumbs when when you hear the bit you want you, you you're talking about. All right, here we go. <laughs> That bit. That bit. Yeah. I mean, in your, in, as you say that, Doc, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe this is just your kind of twisted, dark brain at work. Yeah. But but I, I think we're going to have to take your word for it, Doc. You can hear it. Maybe nobody else can. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> but but, but, but um, I like where you're coming from. Um, it's the same thing about those voices going kill. Yeah, kill, that's right. Kill. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the X Files episode where he goes to the ATM and he tells him to kill everybody. That's your life, yes. isn't it, Doc? That's your life. Um, nobody else seems to be able to hear those voices. No, but oh, I know God. they're there. Here we go. Come on, come on. Let's get into the track. <laughs> Full Slayer, isn't it? This is just full, full fat Slayer, surely. Um, I'm going to. I don't try to slip in a controversial statement every episode, but I always seem to end up doing it. The verse is like something off Rain and Blood, but it's better than almost anything off Rain wow. and Blood. Go on. The chorus is like something off Hell Awaits, but it's mm -hmm. better than anything off Hell Awaits. Wow. Two grenades at once. Um, How about that? It's, 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 it's just about a perfect fusion of the best bits of Slayer up until now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got, it's got an intro riff off Haunting the Chapel. Mm. Um, it's got a chorus off Hell Awaits. Ah. And it's got a verse off Rain and Blood. There you go. So it, it, it's, like their, it's like their Sunday afternoon EastEnders omnibus as a song, basically. Or possibly more like, um, like what's, what's that thing where you uh, mix... Um, heroin and cocaine and ketamine 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I've only taken right. two of them, so I don't know the answer. <laughs> 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 um, please carry on. Here we go. <laughs> Now, you're a little bit critical, Doc, when following the opening track, you know, like the, the, like the slow, somber pace of South of Heaven, suddenly they kicked into silent scream like a full-on thrasher thrashathon. You're a bit, you, 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 you seemed a bit disappointed about that. Now, why, why was that wrong? And this is okay. Um, well, point number one, that was very, very far from the only thing I didn't like about Silent Scream. True enough, true enough, true enough. But, but um, you, know, we, we, you know, we talked about the music in this section of the track. Sure. Um, it's because they set up beautifully um, a chance to do something very different. They yeah. demonstrated that, the, um, I mean, South of Heaven is, the, the, the track is up there as one of my top five, uh, one, one of my top five, maybe one of my top three Slayer tracks. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't understand why having sketched such a perfect blueprint for Slayer have never stood still. Slayer have never stood still. Uh, no matter what people say about them, always sounding the same. I don't understand why having basically done some woodshedding, taking some time off, planned a new direction, come up with a new direction, executed it so perfectly on the difficult first track of the album. Why then to take such a retrograde step? Sure, yeah. So it, it, it felt like they, they, they stepped back too quickly. Yeah. yeah by, the time you get to, by the time you get to this point in their album, um, they've earned this moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah that's the yeah, big difference for me. No, I, I, I get that, because by this point, You've, you've had like the you know like the change in direction opening track you've had the fast one you've then had like the doomy one with, with for live yeah. and dead you've had like the shit rock and roll one with um behind the cookie cross and then you've had like the real kind of intense serious subject matter track with mandatory suicide so now it's time just to go for it and have a bit of fun basically yeah so i mean uh, basically so up until now, South of Heaven and Mandatory Suicide are the exemplars of the style that I've had wedged in my head. I, I, I've wedged in my head. I've had the idea that this whole album was like those two tracks. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, now, it, it turns out I didn't like The Silent Scream. You didn't like Behind the, the Crooked Cross. Correct. Um, <clears throat> it, the thing about the musical style on Silent Scream is... Um, I didn't like the fact that Slayer seemed to be being mousy. They, 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 they seem to have, like, first of all, come out of the burrow um, after a period of hibernation with this absolutely fantastic new sound, this new way of doing stuff. It's still recognisably Slayer. It never yeah. isn't Slayer. But it's, look, we can do this too. Sure. And then having given us one track, and it's like, that's fine. That's, I love that. Now, can I have another one of those, please? And yeah. it's like, no, then... Let, it's then then we get a, a, a crappy rain in blood outtake sure yeah yeah no i yeah, get it i get it doc yeah this, at this point at this point <laughs> of the album this moment of indulgence 
and I, I, I'm not even using moment of indulgence um, as a pejorative here, but this this moment of indulgence is, is utterly earned by this point mm-hmm. on the album. Yeah, that's the difference. Fair enough, Doc. Fair enough. Here we go. <laughs> Name that solo, sir. I've been doing very, very badly at this game mm. recently. Mm. Um, and the lesson we're taking from this is that um, everything that people think about Slayer solos is almost completely wrong. Um, I'm going to take an educated guess because we've been having a lot of Jeff Hanneman doing an excellent Kerry King impersonation recently. I think that's Kerry King doing an excellent Jeff Hanneman impersonation. It's actually Jeff doing a Jeff. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! You you oh you just overthought yourself there. Something chronic. Never mind, Doc. That's that's Jeff. Just going for it. Seriously, in all seriousness, this is one of the reasons I love Slayer because they always keep you guessing. Yeah, yeah. You can never quite. Um, you, they keep you on the back foot constantly. Keep yeah, exactly. There's another point I, I I'm I'm going to make in a bit, but let's get the instrumental section out of the way first. Here we go. <laughs> So we just had the switch over there, Doc. So no point asking the questions. So and now we're into Kerry. Here we go. And that does sound like Kerry, doesn't it? You know, all the got the, yeah. like the, like the whales, and you know, it's not particularly melodious. You know, <laughs> tremolo bar abuse. You know what I mean? That that's Kerry. Kerry to a T, is basically. That Kerry King, he doesn't write a nice tune like that Jeff Hanneman did. <laughs> That's true. Jeff, he was such a nice boy, Warry. He was such a lovely lad. He did, Dave, he did. I won't mind him down the local, playing along on the <laughs> on, on the piano. It'd be bloody lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to stop and take a breath and just what and just wallow in that moment, Doc. What a fucking transition that is. What a change. You can probably guess almost word for word what I'm gonna say here. Um, those are almost my favorite moments in any kind of music where um, you can have structure and then you can dissolve into chaos. And then by this process of telepathy or symbiosis that only really great bands can ever achieve, you pull the structure back again. Honestly, there are few moments in music, I think, that are as good as that transition. It it literally, every time I hear this song, it takes my breath away to go from such chaos, such, such... rabid, frenzied, anarchic chaos, and then just strip it away, and Dave in the background holding the whole fucking thing together in his own kind of chaotic way, and then, and, then, and to emerge from it with, with this utterly, wonderfully morbid melody. Oh, Doc, I... I, I, I yeah. I'm literally lost for words, Doc. I'm lost for words. 
There's three things in that moment, and I can't understand how human beings can do these. I can't understand how two guitar players can... Um, I don't understand how two guitar players can play control, con controlled feedback at the same time and shape the feedback, um, presumably using tremolo arm, um, and harmonise it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they do it live. They do it live. I mean, they, yeah. they, 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 they don't play this song live often at all, as we'll find out later on. But, you know, when, when, when they do play it live, they pull it off. They pull it off. Honestly, Doc, it is... It is it, it, to me, that is just musical perfection. The second thing I don't understand how human beings can even do this, except for highly trained ones in very, very rehearsed circumstances. You've, you've got a virtual, you've, you've got a, a classical music thing going on there. Mm. Um, you've, got three, you've, you've got three separate quotes um, in that bit. There's, there's a tiny quote from Rain and Blood, Mm -hmm. um, in the, there's, there's, there's a half a bar quote um, and then there's another half a bar quote from another track on Rain in Blood which mm -hmm. Dave plays I can't mm -hmm. quite pick it up at the moment Sure. Um, and then um, you've got the, the final piece of harmonised feedback which is obviously a quote from the first track on this album yeah yeah uh, I mean you you have to go to either orchestral music, which is scored and written down and rehearsed to fuck, um, or to the absolute outer limits of jazz or progressive rock to, to, to hear people be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, um, all, all this section makes me want to do is make kind of positive, praising noises of, of adoration and genuine awe. Um, Oh, I'm going to rewind about 15 seconds and play it again, and then I'll and we'll, we'll let it run for a little bit. Doc, it is fucking brilliant. Here we go. <laughs> It is just a band right at the top of their game, isn't it? They're, 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 no doubt, no just doubt. Utterly, utterly fearless, basically. As an example of how fearless they've got and how confident they are with their own ability and how confident they are in their confidence to be able to take a new idea and push through with it, um, you might even, um, in the emotional state you're in, you might even burst out laughing when I say this. Mm -hmm. um, Dave, on this track, has suddenly acquired a jazz influence. I, I, I'm not in the laugh of that at all, Doc. You know, I think Dave is, you know, Dave is undoubtedly um, a, jazz, a jazz enthusiast. You, you only have to listen to, you know, some of his work in his more experimental projects with Mike Patton, for instance. Is it Fantomas, I think? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, my God, you know, it, it, it's riddled with jazz. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
don't know, don't know nothing, nothing mirth worthy at all in what you're saying there, Doc. Um, in the future, if you go right back to the end oh, of the oh, Sorry, Doc, I'm, I'm just still making adoring noises. Sorry, sorry, go, go on, sir, please. Sure, if you go back to the end of verse one, there's about a four bar section. And I, because th- I do pay attention to Dave. I know I don't talk about Dave a lot. I pay attention to Dave. And I suddenly thought to myself, Dave's gone sloppy. Why has uh-huh. Dave gone sloppy? Uh-huh. Um, and it took me a couple of seconds to remember, and I, I, I need to find out. Um, I'm convinced it's Clyde Stubblefield from James, James Brown's band. Um, who said this? And he said, if, if, if you're a drummer, the second hardest thing to do is get tight. The hardest thing to do is get loose. Right. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Um, and that moment is the first time I've ever heard Dave get loose. Sure. Yeah. Because um, the, the, the bass is very prominent in this track all mm. the way through. Mm. Um, and Dave is actually um, allowing the bass to do the tempo and rhythm. Um, and there's a bit, if you listen carefully, he lags behind the bass for a bit, then sure. he catches up with the bass, then he overtakes the bass, then he's, and, and, and I mean, that's, that's, that's a jazz drummer thing to do. Do, do. do you want to try and find it, Doc, or do you think that would be too much of a pain in the arse? I think it would be too much of a pain in the arse. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. But um, next, next time you listen to it, yeah. I won't yeah. say listen for it, but um, I, I, I think it's one of those things that, that will stick it. And when I was listening, I thought, like, did, did Dave just go sloppy? Mm-hmm. Like, did Dave just, like, uh, did, did, did he suddenly lose his fucking Swiss watch-like <laughs> sense of time? Yeah, like a metronome. Um, but, but you think he was just vibing it, basically, and just, just getting, yeah. getting, getting down and loose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something else Dave has, what should we say, progressed or grown in the ability to do. Sure, um, sure. And you know, it's another one of the examples that this is one of those tracks where you're dealing with a band who are scared of absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, final solo of the track coming up, Doc. Prepare yourself. Here we go. <laughs> Gotta be a Hanneman. That is a Hanneman, you got it spot on this time. And just when you think, just when you think this track can't get any better, they pull that riff out of their arses. Fuck me, um, Doc. Mo, what I want to say about that uh, 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 about that riff is, anyone who has ever consider, considered buying a seven-string guitar or a five-string bass, um, or who's bought one, listen to that. Yeah. Make a, ta- make a tape of that riff. Make a tape of nothing but that riff, and listen to it all day, and learn how to play heavy. Yeah. Learn how to play heavy. It, it's so easy to play. It is so easy. I mean, w- w- once you learn how to do the double strum technique, that like the gallop, the maiden gallop, effectively. I mean, that, that's all it is. Um, you know, once you can do that, which you know, what you play guitar for 
three or four months, you can probably you can probably do it all right. That, that, that's all it is. But it's 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 the deployment of it, isn't it? It's it's so simple, but it's just the efficacy of it to drop it in after all of that. They've they've built up all of this atmosphere, all of this atmosphere, and then they just strip it all down and just play this simplest of simple riffs. Honestly, Doc, I'm I'm losing myself here. I, I, I'm just gushing, and, and, I, and maybe I sound foolish, but it, it, it's just so wonderful. I don't know how else to express myself. There's nothing wrong with sounding foolish, and there's nothing mm. wrong with... Um, I, I, I think probably people don't express that. Um, in a hate-filled week, in a hate-filled world, yeah. um, I don't think it's particularly unwelcome to hear someone be very, very emotional about something they like. True. Um, I uh, you um, you called it the maiden gallop, um, yeah. which is perfectly true. It's all um, it's what I always think of, and, and once again, no frivolity or disrespect to Slayer, and no respect to anyone intended. Um, it's what I call the Venom gallop. Mm. If Venom could keep playing, <laughs> if Venom could actually play, yeah. Well, sure. if, if 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 Venom. Um, you probably remember um, our old drummer always used to split his sides whenever we listened to Venom in the car because uh, he, he'd always sit there. And it took me ages to realise what was going on about. And at a certain point in the track, he'd suddenly go clippity clock, clippity clock, yeah, clippity clock. That's right. And then three seconds later, um, uh, the drummer in Venom would, because it's playing double bass is really, really hard to do. And I think our drummer was struggling with it himself at the mm. same time. So mm. he was entitled to make the joke. Um, and you can go like a typewriter. You can do that. But then after a little while, um, there's something about the, your spinal control or the nerves in your legs or you get a cramp or something and you end up going yeah it's what we talked about with the, the opening riff from behind the crooked cross you know that just that slow double strum on the guitar for about 30 30 seconds 45 seconds it's really easy for five or ten seconds you fucking try playing that for 45 seconds a minute it becomes incredibly <laughs> difficult to hold that time in and i imagine that you know, the same must be true on the double bass now We've got about a minute to go on this track, and I kind of insist on playing this end section out uninterrupted, Doc. Do you mind? Not at all. Here we go. There we go. go, guys. That's track six from South of Heaven, which is, of course, Ghosts of War. I am all of a quiver, Doc. 
it's just oh I, I, I don't know I, I just don't know what to say it to me it is this track is so so good I mean it, it is unquestionably my favorite slayer track um you know there, there are lots of slayer tracks that I love there are lots of slayer tracks that I give 10 out of 10 to there is just something about this song everything about it is so perfect it's like ev everything that they were working towards up to this point has all come together into this crucible, this crucible of utter, utter perfection. It's my favourite Slayer song. It's probably my favourite song of all time. <sighs> we might as well end the episode there, Doc, because there's nothing more I can say. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I, I'm, I'm just... I, I knew I knew I'd get emotional with this with this track, and, and I have. I'll take over for me for a second, please. Uh, so, in those last few little bits, you can understand, can't you? Why have not have I? I didn't have a copy of this album for about ten years. Mm. You can understand, can't you? Why I got the idea in my head that this is what the whole album sounded like. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I mean it. Um, as much as I love the opening track, um, this casts such a shadow over everything else on the album. As a musicianly note, there is a lovely, lovely moment in the middle of the last verse, and th th there's, I can't remember which song it is. Um, and once again, it's just proof of how supremely confident um, Dave Lombardo is at this point in, in, in his, his, his career. Um, there's a tiny little Steely Dan drone riff in the sure. middle of there. And you do that for two reasons. You do it to prove that um, you have got chops like almost nobody else on earth. Um, you know, what I'm going to do is drop in this little quote from one of the most unanimously regarded drummers in the history of rock and roll. Um, I'm just going to do this. I, 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 can't, I can't even hermit it. So it, it, it's the, the, the timing is so incredibly difficult to do. Sure. Um, track it, it's either from the track kid charlemagne or the fez i can't remember which one it is um and secondly it's to prove that at this point in their career um even or slayer are not even afraid to fuck with absolute off limits despised don't touch it the barge pole um like 70s lounge rock mm -hmm. yeah um it, it's it's literally but that riff's cool we'll have that sure yeah yeah and why and why not and why not doc the, 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 there's literally nothing else i can say about the music um have you got a final point or two or should we get on get on get on down with the with with the lyrics what do you reckon um i've got quite a few points um which are relevant to songs that are coming down the pike some of them on this album, some of them on future albums. Um, but as much as we've had to talk about the music, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about the lyrics as well. So we should probably move on to that section about now. Do you think? Let's do, let's do that. Let's do that. 
Welcome to part three of the show, um, which we sometimes call Evil Speak. Do we call it that anymore, Doc? Or I think we've kind of forgotten about that, haven't we? but never mind. Let's call it Evil Speak for this week. Um, here we're going to read through the lyrics and dissect them. Here we go. First one. Fate, silent warriors, sleeping souls will rise. Once forgotten soldiers come back to life. Fallen mercenary, dormancy is done. Not content with wars we never won. Go on, Adele. What do we think about this? Well, we're going to have to get to it sooner or later. Um, so why not start with it? Um, throughout this project, we've been sketching an idea that there exists a... Uh, you call it the uh, Slayer mythos. I occasionally call it the Slayer cosmology. But sure. th there's 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 themes, um, effectively, um, of events or forces within the universe. Um, and in my mind, in my mind, in the mind of Slayer, war is one of the forces of the universe, like gravity or entropy. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think in this Slayer, you know, mythos, cause whatever we're going to call it, yeah, war is an inevitable, immutable, unstoppable constant, basically. Yeah. And we've discussed more than once, there are many, many allusions to what we've referred to as the, the, the one war or the eternal war. Mm hmm. Um, and this ties into, you know, a lot of those old jokes about old soldiers never die. They just. Sure. Um, there are many, many references, like almost too many to, uh, to name. Um, there's almost too many songs to name um, about skeletal Nazis marching across <laughs> like misty battlefields. Yeah. Um, and all of that stuff that we like and love. Um, and. I think probably this song is the ultimate crystallization of everything that has ever been covered in the Slayer mythos up to but this point. That's I've got an interesting question, and I don't know the answer to this. Is this hmm. like the culmination of all of their ideas? As you said, like the crystallization, the culmination of all of it. And is this kind of the end of it? Are we going to discover? I, I honestly don't know because I've never really thought about Slayer lyrics in the depth that we're thinking about them as we're doing this podcast. Are we going to discover that this is like the end point for this part of the, the Slayer narrative effectively? Um, I have thought about it a little bit and it's a mm. question I might even have bounced back at you. I mm. think I was planning on bouncing it back at you when we got to the end of this album. Sure. Um, I think this is an end point for quite a lot of things in Slayer. Um, so we've noticed, have we not, um, a tailing off of the supernatural. Certainly. In the lyrical content. Certainly. Um, I don't know whether that's entirely fair to say. I don't know whether... No, I kind of do know. I feel as though the drift has been towards the concepts that long ago seemed supernatural um, have actually turned out to be perfectly mundane. So. Right. Four years ago, we were singing about demons from hell. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally we'd write a song about a demon and another demon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually it turns out that the imaginary world of the supernatural is not nearly as disgusting and terrifying and horrifying and upsetting as the mundane world that really exists. Mm. And mm. for me, the, um, the moment of crossover um, of that was um, at the end of Angel of Death, where you have this very explicit allusion to, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm repeating myself here, I know I am, but I think it stands repeating. Um, long ago in medieval times, somebody would have said, somebody would, would, would have said to you, well, what, what's, what's, what's a Nazi surgeon? What, what, what's a Nazi surgeon like? And a medieval preacher would have said, um, like a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, in the modern world, um, if somebody said to an atheist, if, if an atheist asked the question, well, you know, what, what's, what's, what's a demon like then? What's so special about a demon? You'd say, um, like a Nazi surgeon. Sure. Sure. Um, and the, all of the same themes are actually there, but as the cosmology, in Lovecraftian terms, as the stars have begun to align and Cthulhu has, has begun to rise from the depth, and instead of being fairy stories and ghost stories and things that you glimpse in dark woods late at night, um, to coin a phrase, shit got real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, um, something I've, the, the, I've thought about just as, as you've been chat, as, as you've been talking there, and and, and obviously like ref, referencing like Angel of Death. It's interesting to me that the last track on Hello Waits, I would say, Show No Mercy, Show No Mercy, Haunting the Chapel, Hello Waits are, are predominantly supernatural in their themes. In terms, you know, each song, generally speaking, that there's some kind of supernatural element. Hello Waits. The last track is Hardening of the Arteries, and that's grounded because that's the track that's really kind of about, you know, at the time would have been called, what would have been, what would have been called the time? Not global warming, um, not climate change. There's probably a term in the 80s for it. But, 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 but you take my point, you know. Um, you, you, like, um, I think that was, I, I, I believe that was called the Earth Crisis in those days. Earth Crisis. So, so you've got the Earth Crisis, and that's what that track was about. So, so you know, prosaic, you know, rudimentary, fundamental to our life on, 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 on the planet, real. Then we go to, 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 to Rain in Blood, and, and, and it starts with Angel of Death again, you know, something real, grounded. You know, nothing supernatural about it. As horrific as it is, nothing super, supernatural about it. So immediately, that transition between those two albums suggests this, this, this shift towards the more grounded subject matter. I think we discussed a couple of episodes ago the fact that there are only like two or three tracks on Rain in Blood which have any even semblance of supernatural sprinkled into them. And, and they're not even overt. It's just kind of... It's there, but but you've kind of got to look for it. Um, uh, you may you 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 had a really really good go, and I respect you a lot for this. You had a really really good go um, at making uh, the penultimate track um, have demons in it, but it turned <laughs> out not to have demons. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I try my best. I try my best. You know, and 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 yes, and, and certainly, you know, this album really hasn't been supernatural heavy, but here we are. We, we're smack in the middle of the, of the Slayer cosmology. Could not be more supernatural, and yet, you know, and yet, 
are they really talking about supernatural stuff of you know or or, or or are they using supernatural language to talk about the ultimate philosophy of, of humanity essentially um i constantly try to revise my opinions even strongly held opinions that i have when this album came out and remind me which year this was uh, oh god you put me on the spot there i think it's 88 fine i will i will correct in the in the chair motherfucker section next next time if i'm wrong we're in a very very weird period of history at the beginning of slayer's career um the one of the most horrifically mundane things that had happened recently had been um the american involvement in the conflict in southeast asia sure which oddly enough didn't make its first appearance in a slayer song until um the one we um the one we did last week yeah right yeah mm -hmm. um but there was still there was still a lot of hangover from the really quite liberated really still quite hippie influenced late 70s when when slayer started since slayer's career began history got really fucking weird really fucking quickly yeah um reaganomics or as we call it on the right-hand side of the Atlantic Ocean, Thatcherism, became the predominant model um, of dealing with money and welfare and poor people. Mm -hmm. um, HIV broke out. Mm. The Cold War, which had obviously always been boiling away since the 1950s. And I'm not saying the Cold War ever had a sense of humour. I'm not saying it was ever... But um, I put it to you that the Cold War was always a contest of escalation. Um, you've got a bigger bomb, so we're going to make a bigger bomb than your bomb, but we're going to make a bigger bomb than your bomb. Sure. Um, there's, there, there was uh, never, never any intention to actually use them, was there? It, it, it was just uh, a, big, no. a, big, a big dick waving competition, wasn't it, effectively? Well, um, that was the whole concept of MAD, um, which is obviously the best joke in the world, because the concept is clearly insane but it actually stands for mutually assured destruction. Correct. Nobody yeah. will dare to start a war because it will mean wiping yourself out as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and there, um, there are some genuinely funny quotes from world leaders made at that time. At one point, Henry Kissinger said, um, why are we bothering with building international, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles? If we've got a weapon that destroys the world, why not just detonate it here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, mm. If you're going to if you're going to destroy the world, you don't have to drop the bomb over Moscow to do it. <laughs> mm. um, and there was another great quote from Nikita Khrushchev where he said, um, "I I fully concede the superiority uh, the superiority of the USA. The USA has the nuclear capacity to destroy the world three times. We only have the nuclear capacity to destroy the world once." <laughs> brilliant! Yeah, very, very, very <laughs> dry. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cool. yeah. The, the, you um, know, that's like that's like you know the the, the lunacy of, of of the American um, justice system that you know sentences people to eight hundred years in prison. What's the fucking point? Yeah. Well, or the lunacy of the American justice system that says abortion is wrong, 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 wrong. What you have to do is to allow dirt poor kids to be born in horrible ghettos where they never stand a chance then they grow up into criminals then they murder someone and then you can execute them sure yeah mm -hmm. well, um, they, well either execute them or convince them to join the army but, you know whichever's yeah. easier sure yeah um so my point is history was getting really like real actual mundane events were getting really fucking weird really fucking quickly 
um, <coughs> round about this time. And we mustn't discount the rise of Christian fundamentalism either. And when you have an influence that pervasive in the world, Christian fundamentalism was pervasive. Make no mistake about this. It wasn't some silly fringe thing that you could laugh at. And it wasn't even like ISIS or the Taliban happening over there in some other part of the world. It was a terrifying right-wing religious movement um, that was happening wherever you happened to be, in, in, in whatever nice suburb you happened to be living in at the time. Mm. Mm. And when you've got this very, very pervasive organisation that seems to be getting a great deal of credibility, I don't care how hard-bitten you are, when these people start talking about it's the wages of sin, it's the end of days, the apocalypse is nigh, Satan will come and rule the world. There's, there's a tiny part of you, that's, and there's, there's a Jasper Carrot joke about this. And he goes, sometimes you catch yourself thinking, well, you know, would it hurt to go to one of their meetings? Would it hurt to buy their magazine? Because what if they're right? Mm, mm. <laughs> um, and if it is all pervading kind of in your society, um, it, 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 you know, it, it often is difficult to fight against the tide, isn't it? You know, um, to be, you know, to be the outsider, to be the one that pushes back, that takes courage. Um, yeah, particularly when, um, and I mean, if if you're cynical about, not necessarily about religious philosophy, but if you're cynical about the church, um, as oh, I don't know, let's say the members of Slayer are, mm. you might end up scratching your head and going, well, what exactly did Jesus sacrifice himself for? Sure, uh, sure. This? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is that why yeah. he did it? Yeah. Doc, should we have a look so, at the chorus? Right. I, I just want to finish up this, this little thing because um, I think what we're seeing is um, the we're seeing yet another, a, a, another changeover point. The supernatural has gone over to almost completely the mundane or the prosaic at this point. And I think because of the stuff that we're talking about at the moment, um, I think we'll start to see the mundane being rationalised in terms of... I, I, I think we'll see an almost... We'll, we'll, we'll see a resurgence of the supernatural, mm -hmm. but not quite in the way we've been used to. Sure. OK. And yeah. I'm going to leave that there. Sure. Very good. Here's the chorus. <laughs> Memories can't ignore, anguish of before, satisfy the scorn, rise, ghosts of war. So, I mean, I mean, to me, there's nothing really much to add. It's just a continuation of the theme, isn't it? Um, you know, <clears throat> the, these these fallen these fallen soldiers um, feel betrayed. Their memories are. It, you know, it, it seems in their opinion, their memories are uh, not considered as highly as they should be. And, you know, as, as they are soldiers as part of this eternal war, you know, they're going to rise again and make sure, make damn certain that, you know, that, that, that their deaths, in quotes, their deaths were not in vain. Um, one word here. Um, and I want your opinion on this because I'm really not sure. Uh, the use of this word scorn. Yeah, scorn's an interesting right, word, isn't it? Yeah, scorn's tough, isn't it? If yeah. I'm right, um, when this album was released, um, the condition 
PTSD was just about becoming to be recognized or used at large. Um, the, the crisis of um, homelessness and drug addiction and mental illness amongst persons who'd served in the American involvement in the conflicts in, in uh, Southeast Asia. Um, was becoming very, very difficult to ignore. I sure. think pretty soon we'd have, pretty soon born on the 4th of July would come out. Um, well, a, a, a previous th- a previous movie, a prior movie, sorry, to that, the, 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 that, that word makes me think of is uh, First Blood, you know, the first Rambo movie. Um, of you course. Know, pe- you know, pe- people that don't, people that have never seen First Blood and think of Rambo as being this kind of gun-toting maniac that, that likes to slaughter Vietnamese people uh, in, with great abandon, you know, need to go and watch First Blood because First Blood is a, is a really thought thoughtful, thought-provoking character study of a man suffering from severe post-traumatic stress disorder, utterly let down by the, by the country that he, you know, that he chose to serve. It's heart wrenching. It's heartbreaking. That's what. That's the film that this makes me think of, Doc. Yeah. So um, you could possibly go back even further than that if you want to mm. think about the Deer Hunter. Sure. Um, so I think crucially, the, the the difference is here. World War Two, by and large, was a popular conflict. Um, and many of the people who served in World War II were embraced very warmly back into their societies. Um, all of the things that happened um, in that little triangle just under Burma was not a popular conflict. Um, and it's sad to say that the, the, the world was either disinterested or openly hostile to a lot of the people. Um, and um, if you want to know how prosaic Slayer, how how far Slayer can go from the supernatural to the prosaic. Effectively, you've got um, superficially um, a something that we like and love: a Slayer, skeletal Nazis rising from the mud of the battlefield. Um, but actually, you don't need skeletal Nazis. Um, the the vengeful soldiers um, are probably actually sleeping under a railway bridge at the end of your street. Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful um, image, though. Beautiful, sad, poignant image. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So um, let's... I, I'm, I'm not claiming the correct... I, I'm, I'm not saying that's what I definitively think this is about. Um, I, I, I wanted to have a chat about the use of this word scorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, so, it's, so it's the scorn of the masses, basically, isn't it? The, the scorn of the politicians, the scorn of the masses. I think that, that that's the reference to me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think we're totally in agreement. Um, verse two. Target, assassinate, time of your life has expired, hatred, victimise, gaze in their eyes as they die, violence, infliction of pain, savage morticians deny, drive the salt in the wound, arouse the subconscious to lie. Quite interesting, this this verse here, Doc. Um, I, I, I think the first two 
sections we've talked about are pretty clear. There's, there's some pretty interesting vocabulary here. Um, target assassinate, time of your life has expired. I, mean, that, I think that's fair enough. Hatred victimised, gaze in their eyes as they die. So is that the soldier that, 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 that's feeling the hatred and the victimisation? What, what, what's going on there in your mind, Doc? Um, assassinate um, is, 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 is an interesting. Um, superficially, when I first read this verse, um, I thought this was not taking the other side precisely, but it was bringing, um, illustrating um, the fact that um, pitiful people do terrible things mm. um, and your homeless veterans do not deserve the treatment they received but on the other hand some of them do some of them did terrible things sure um they murdered people not all just 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 in case listeners need to hear me say need to hear me say this i don't mean all of them i don't mean your uncle um but many of those people went on to be involved in um extreme antisocial behavior mm -hmm. domestic violence um the use and the propagation of drugs which had a part in further destroying their communities um that was my first super, superficial reading of this first and and, and, and um, Doc, just to support your you know, just to support what you're saying there you know I, I have personal familial experience of this of you know what one of my family members served you know did like a tour of duty in iraq you know he was he was not the same person when he came back and has since spent time in prison for yeah, doing very, very unpleasant things to his wife. Yes, mm. and that probably would not have happened before he went to Iraq. So um, I think one of the definitions of a tragedy is that no one wins, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's just about impossible to point out who the good guys and the bad guys are. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't dealt with this word assassinate yet. Um, the closest I can get, and once again, I need to do a bit more research. I think this was at a time when there was a massive resurgence in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And um, we mentioned born on the 4th of July already, um, same director, I think JFK was gonna come out in the not too distant future. Um, and um, Lee Harvey Oswald was not excused precisely, but Lee Harvey Oswald was considered by many people to either have, um, to have been a delusional freak by yeah. many people, mm -hmm. um, but to have been some sort of CIA, <laughs> what, 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 another Slayer, um, another Slayer favourite, some sort of CIA super soldier who went rogue or went wrong. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, that's certainly one of the one of the big, you know, conspiracy theories, isn't it? Yeah, uh, many of which are discredited now, but they were they were around a lot in popular culture in 1988. Mm -hmm. for, for, for me, I, I just took to these two lines to me just indicated, or, or to me seemed to describe uh, snipers. Really, I mean that, that, that's the way that I interpreted it. I, I understand what you're saying with that word assassinate because we we generally use that word. You know, when we're talking about the execution of kind of an important figure, generally a political figure, 
but but it can be used generically, can't it? It's not it's not strictly implicit in the word. That's generally how we co-locate it, but it is not obligatory. Yeah. Um, so to me, this this was just like an invocation of of snipers, basically. So, you know, target assassin, and, and then the hatred gaze in their eyes as they die. You know, like looking through the scopes, really close up on the face. That's just how I interpreted that doc. There is another character, um, and I forget his name at the moment. Um, he carried out a mass shooting, I believe, at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in about 1963. Um, and he most definitely had formerly served with the United States Marine Corps. The fellow's name was Charles Workman, and he's the only other historical figure um, who I can identify um, as being a real person who might sort of fit into this. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what about the next two lines here? Violence inflicting of pain, savage morticians deny... Um, Savage morticians, or that seems like a very specific reference to something, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Um, I am assuming it's a juxtaposition. Um, a mortician is a person you would associate existing only in a civilized society, and it's someone who attends to a body after death and prepares it for funerary rites. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, 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 um, that's why a mortician is, you know, what, what we would call like a funeral director in Britain, I think? Yeah. Um, no, we, uh, we have morticians. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, there's, um, there's a long sort of separated acquaintance of mine um, who uh, trained as a, cos- uh, as, as a cosmetic mortician. Oh, awesome. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, and their job was to try and make, frankly, People who've been horribly, horribly mangled in fires or car crashes. Mm. Um, them, look presentable. Yeah. yeah. Dear, dear, dear. Sure. Um, and then you, you, you juxtapose it with, with, with this word savage. Um, and um, of course, people who we think of as savages have funeral rites too, many of which are very sophisticated. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't see how it, it's. It's a nice line. Um, I don't see how it fits into the song. No, I just, I just think it's, I think it's just like a cool, evil-sounding word, isn't it? Basically, that they've just yes. dropped in so that it scans. Uh, and, and then we've got this horrible, like, drive the salt in the wound, horrible image. Arouse the subconscious to lie. Arouse the subconscious to lie. What does that mean, Doc? Arouse the subconscious. Um, I, I understand that. But then to lie. It's, there's two ways to interpret the word lie, aren't there? Like lie to tell a lie or lie like lie down. Which way are we going? Precisely. Well, um, if we take from the previous line the use of a, juxta- a juxtaposition, in this line, depending on your reading, we've got two juxtapositions. Yeah. Um, because lie as in rest mm-hmm. or lie down. Sure. Um, sure is juxtaposed with arouse. Yeah, a contradiction. Arouse anyone to lie down. Mm-hmm. And you've got this juxtaposition of, um, the, in, in, in popular culture and in popular psychology, the subconscious is normally driven, it normally has a drive to tell the truth or to disclose the truth. Mm-hmm. They're powerful pieces of imagery, but I, I can't figure out how they fit together in the context of this song. Um, 
arouse the subconscious to lie. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe it just means um, drive the salt into the wound, um, go in for some more victim blaming. Um, the mass media now demonize your homeless veterans and your drug addicted veterans. Um, so go, go into some victim blaming and thereby perform basically a Roman Catholic ritual um, and assuage the whole population of its sins. Sure. Um, and um, all of the people who were um, proud, upstanding American citizens in 1966 or 1968 um, and probably encouraged some not very bright kids to go and get killed or horribly mutilated in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to make to make sure you tell those people, because by the way, those are all Reagan supporters now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Make sure you tell those people. I mean, it wasn't your fault. Whoever's fault it was, it wasn't your fault. Um, <clears throat> I mean, drive the salt in the wound, and maybe there is a distinct possibility I am reading far too much into this. Salt is a white powder. Another kind of white powder is um, crack or co-derived well, drugs. Well, well, I mean, I would say more probably if you're talking about something to like, amp up soldiers, it'd be some kind of amphetamine, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Or, um, I mean, <clears throat> um, a previous reference to chemical warfare, uh, something I, I don't know if we mentioned at the time and if we didn't, we should have done. Lacking the resources to make things such as Agent Orange at the time, um, the North Vietnamese army used heroin as a chemical weapon and made it very, very widely available and very, very cheap because they had access to large amounts of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, from just a, just just over the border into Cambodia and Laos. Mm, mm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and I mean, it's uh, how deep you go into this depends on how much you give Slayer credit for being able to construct imagery of, 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 of this apparent sophistication. As you know, when I'm trying to figure out how smart or clever Slayer are being, I err on the side of they're much smarter than uh, you think they are. Sure. And when you say you, you don't mean me specifically. You mean generically people think they are. Yes. Yeah, sure. Of course I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, don't, just to clarify for people listening, basically. Of course. Yeah. I think you've got various public enemies um, as named and blamed um, by the right-wing popular consciousness of the time. Um, very, very badly fucked up war veterans. Mm. Um, drugs. Um, the savage morticians, it, it's, it's, it's still getting away from me. Sure. The closest I can get, the closest I can get is Central Americans. Mm-hmm. Um Aztecs generally exist in popular culture um, and people think of them because of their gruesome funerary rites. Mm-hmm. That's the closest I can get. But that, 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 that um, feels like a stretch, doesn't it? That's a real stretch, isn't it? It's a massive stretch. Yeah, no, it is. It is dark. Should, should we get on to the last part? Yeah.
I deal in pain. All life I drain. I dominate. I seal your fate. I deal in pain. All life I drain. Memories can't ignore. Rise, ghosts of war. So you know, this 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 is talking from the from the standpoint of one of the risen soldiers, isn't it? Basically, um, obviously, a lot of repetition here. Repetition from previous lines in the track already as well, um, and it, it, it's kind of a way to almost like personalise this, you know, this, this kind of like supernatural Slayer cosmology kind of idea. I think um, there's a sense of vengeance, isn't there? There's a sense of like anger and hostility. You know, the, 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 these these poor souls that have been slain on the battlefield and left, you know, in their in their mind, left forgotten. They're, they're, they're furious about it, and, and, and probably quite rightly so. And this is kind of their opportunity to, to, to settle that score effectively. Um, I was going to put this off until a later song, but the opportunity has just presented itself to me. Um, as usual, you and I have, have come up with a slightly different interpretation. I think this is the, the re-emergence of the supernatural. Um, I think this is the very literal reappearance of Satan. Because I think it's supernatural, but no, I but I did not go to Satan. No, you, you, you're correct about that. Um, I think this is a partial reference to the, the coda or the last verse of War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Now in darkness, world stops turning Ashes where the body's burning No more war pigs of the power And as God has struck the hour Day of judgment, God is calling Underneath the war pigs crawling Begging mercies for the sins Satan laughing spreads his wings Oh Lord, yeah. Describes a conspiracy of war Then it describes the nuclear war taking place And at the end of the song <clears throat> Satan having achieved his ends um, And undone the work of God um, Satan laughing spreads his wings, which is one of oh, my favourite lines ever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, and I think this is one of those instances where <clears throat> um, effectively Slayer have taken us on a, a thoroughly mundane and prosaic journey um, to something which is actually so hellish um, that um, they're even beyond talking about what Satan might be. But whatever these works are, these are the works of Satan. This is Satan speaking. It may be a... Uh, it's clearly not the Dantean, very attractive, very charismatic um, Satan who you want to meet and play cards with. Um, this is a far more perverted... <laughs> a far more demonic version of Satan than what we've mm. met before. Mm. Um, I think this is a continuation. I can't remember what the song was. What song? Which song was it, Doc? 
where I, where, where, where I, I was kind of um, postulating the notion that there was some kind of super soldier being created that was then kind of planted behind enemy lines in the graves and then to rise yeah. up. What track was um, that? Was that Reborn? Uh, no, it wasn't Reborn. Was that Epidemic? Um, it, it, was from, it, it was from very near the end of Rain and Blood. Yeah, so uh, I think it's Epidemic because Reborn was the was one about the, the witches. So I think it was yes. Epidemic. Um, and I, I think this is like a continuation of that. So, so it's for me, it's certainly supernatural. For me, this is this is almost the same plot. And, uh, and this last section confirms it for me that there's a line in the first verse you did, well, two lines, actually. Um, Once forgotten soldiers come to life, fallen mercenary, dormancy is done, not content with wars we've never won. And then, and then we get this, this, this final section, um, which, which seems to confirm it to me. So in my mind, what, what's happening here is you've got um, the slain soldiers um, from whichever battle it is, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of rotting in the ground, they're forgotten, and then whoever the victors were have forgotten about them, put cast them from their minds, and then some, you know, like 20, 30, 50, 100 years later, it doesn't matter when, these motherfuckers, just like the just like in, in, in zombie flesh eaters, you know, that they, they just they rise up and, and 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 kind of attack the attack the enemy from the rear, basically. To me, it's kind of a similar. It's a similar thing, just this kind of terror image, this horror image of, you know, complacency on the side of the victors and mm -hmm. vengeful, supernatural victory from those believed to have been previously vanquished. So, the, you know, right. so, so the, that's why I'm saying, you know, I certainly feel that, that, that there's supernatural elements to this. Of course, I think it all is, 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 is kind of woven through with just the general slayer cosmology but but but, but uh, i'm just describing the, the the images that it paints in my mind basically i'm going to suggest a unifying theory to you then mm -hmm. um i'm going to say that you are correct and it's once again invoking this image of the slain of the eternal war rising to seek vengeance against the living except on this occasion the slain of the internal war um, are actually your own homeless, neglected veterans. Ah, uh, yes. I, I, I agree. You see, I think both things are true. I think the song yeah. is about is about both things at the same time. Yeah. You know, well, I, I, I certainly, I certainly think it's talking about. You know, like, I don't think know, it's about. I don't think it's about them. I don't think it's about them both at the same time. I think it's about them being the same thing. Oh, yeah, very interesting. An interesting distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I, I'm um, pausing just to think about that, Doc. You, you, you just dropped a, you, you, you've just dropped a little, um, you know, kind of thought bomb on me there, which is giving me pause. Yeah, I, I like it. I like your notion. Yeah. Very, very good. Doc, we're kind of running a bit long um, and I'm kind of past my postman um, deadline. Um, sure. Any, any crucial last, last points to make? Um, 
No, I don't. I am mm. actually kind of worn out after that. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel actually that, 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 and apologies to the listeners if I've been a bit quiet during the lyrics section, but I feel I really kind of blew my emotional load during the actual listening of the track, and it it got me so kind of pumped and hyped up that you know during like the, the lyrics section I, I did feel kind of a little bit drained actually. So apologies if 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 that came across. Should we move on to the last part, Doc, where we'll just drop yes. our final thoughts and stuff? Yeah. Welcome to part four of the show. Here we're just going to give our final thoughts and summations. But before that, the all-important details. Uh, writing credits here, music by Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King. And the lyrics, surprisingly, Doc, Kerry King all alone, because... I think these lyrics are rather good. They're very good. Yeah. And Kerry wrote them all by his lonesome, apparently. Although, hey, maybe he was kind of, you know, looking over the shoulder of Jeff, you know, looking at his Jeff's notepad and got some ideas from that. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Hey. <laughs> um, hey, school teacher, uh, school teacher, get your head around this. People get better at stuff. Who'd have thought I know. It? I know. It is true. It is true. Um, according to Setlist, this was played, check this out, Doc, only 204 times, putting it in 38th position. What the living fuck is that about? I have no idea. I literally have no idea. Well, that's sort gonna, of shit yeah, that has. I know. Well, the, the, you're lost for words now, as I was earlier. But I'm going to give you Kerry King's take. Now, apologies, whatever website I took this from, because I, I, I promise I did mean to cite the source. I've forgotten to make note of the source. So if, 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 you know, if the website's listening, many apologies. But here, anyway, here's Kerry King's take. Ghost of War isn't Kerry King's favourite song, which he attests... Everybody always wants to hear perform live. He confesses, I like the ending, you know, I like the big heavy part. And I always say, let's put the heavy ending at the end of Chemical Warfare and just do the last half. But I could never make that fly. So it seems like they didn't play this live because Kerry didn't like it. What he's thinking, I don't know, but you know, whatever. You can fathom the mysteries of the mind of Kerry King. <laughs> it's genuinely baffling. Um, first played um, Tacoma Dome, not for the first time. That was August the 8th, 1988. And the last play was at something called the Mayhem Festival on August the 2nd, 2015. According to Loudwire, it's what they say, one of the many songs about war on South of Heaven, Ghost of War, is also one of the fastest tracks on the album. The thrash beat and acrobatic drum fills are only usurped by the lead guitar duels between Hanneman and King. Two minutes in, the song shifts pace and locks into a mid-tempo beat, accompanied by rapid monochromatic chugs, melodic power chord riffing, and infectious minor key licks. Explosive. I mean, it's kind of just a description of the song, eight. Eh? Not much of an opinion there, guys, but, but they're not wrong. Um... Any thoughts, Doc, before we wrap this up and before you drop your all-important requests and swords? Um, no, I mean, uh, anything else I'd have to say, I'd be repeating myself. So mm. I'm going to go straight to the requests and swords. 
Well, I mean, for me, my, you know, my final summation, it, it, it's it's my favourite, I've said it already, my favourite Slayer song, possibly my favourite song of all time that I've ever heard, ever, ever in the universe, ever, ever, ever. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, Doc, give, give us your score, because everybody knows what mine is. <clears throat> um, ten Lequescent Swords. Ten Lequescent Swords, and it's matched by 666 Mouldering Mo scores. Have that, motherfuckers. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. All right, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at Bearcast or on email at slightanicbearcast at gmail.com. And for the perverts, Facebook. Perverts. Perverts. Facebook. Perverts. Join us next time <laughs> when we'll be discussing the seventh track, um, which is called Read. Between the lies. What lies could they be talking about? Find out next time on Slaytanic Vercast. You're going to be there, Doc? Night, night. Of course, so will. Night, night, Doc. Night, night. <laughs>